title that one. I'm telling you. Hi, and welcome to the Three Broom Chicks. I'm Jenny. I'm Marianne. And I'm Elizabeth. And today we're going to be reintroducing ourselves, but giving you some new information if you've been around from the beginning. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, we decided to do this because there's so many of you guys out there now. What? Wow. Love it. We need a fan base name. Just putting it out there. Someone's got to decide for us. I know. The Call running yourselves. one for the long time that somebody submitted was broom stands. But That's like, true. I don't want it to go like unchallenged. We need options. Give us options. Yeah. Tell us. Maybe, maybe broom stands just fits, you know? It does really fit and I like it a lot. But I still want other ideas. Let us That's know. True. That's true. But I mean, like, think about it, guys. When we first recorded this podcast, I think our first episode in a whole month got like 30 listens. Stop. And like yes. most of them were from our family. Stop. And like what now, like people all over the world listen to us. And like all that over just, like, the world. It's insane. Good morning, Vietnam. We've had, yes, we've had Vietnam. We've had Hashtag Australia. We've had, yes. Madagascar. Yeah, that yes. was a funky one. Yeah. Australia. I like this, though. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, like, it's kind of crazy. And especially during this, like, time of quarantine, the fact that you guys are, like, deciding to listen to us more is kind of baffles my mind. And we're just, like, three very humble girls from Florida, like, who just nerd out about Harry Potter and the fact that you guys find us interesting is always beyond me. No yeah. one in my life has ever found me interesting until now. Oh man. Lies. <laughs> I don't know, man. We're just like a couple of pals that just enjoy talking to each other about Harry Potter. And we just happen to pals. record it. We're a couple of pals, a few pals. I love it. I love it. Yeah. yeah a couple of pals and a good old owl. Yeah. Hi, Granger. Hey. Granger. A little she moment of silence. Guys. She's been stuck here in quarantine with me, and she misses her other broom chick. I'm like mad that she lives with Elizabeth, though. Like, why is Elizabeth taking care of the bird? Well, because like, why we originated, am I not taking care of the bird? We originated this, the, the recording in Elizabeth's house, you know? I know, I know. Exactly. And it makes sense. And the owl plushie is at Elizabeth's house, but still. <laughs> It only makes sense. And I do have like a, a household zoo with like That's including true. hydrangea. Very true. But like also like why can't we be those couples, you know, like they break up, but then they still share custody of the dog. Like I feel like hydrangea should live with me part time. Okay. So Jenny, when I can finally make it out to Texas <laughs> at the end of this quarantine, <laughs> Whenever this may be, my trip has gotten rescheduled. I don't know how many times by now. Mm, so sad. I will bring Hydrangea for you and oh you my can God. hold on to her. Yes. Hey. It'll be a whole vibe. We'll go on social media. We'll do a live together. It'll just be me and Hydrangea living our best lives. Oh, my goodness. I love it. Damn. Right. Quarantine has made us weird. Quarantine oh, has made us so weird. weird. But we'll get to that. First, let's yeah. talk about all the mail that Hydrangea dropped off for you this afternoon. Yes, Hydrangea has been a very busy, busy bird throughout oh this Oh my quarantine. God, there it is. The first accent of season two from Elizabeth. That's it true. Took, it took what, five months? That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Y'all have been dropping the accents for me. 
Anyways. It's not my fault that Marianne has a beautiful Essex accent, okay? He's totally my type on paper. I wonder if the people from Essex would agree. Well, <laughs> That's listen. very true. <laughs> Mine is a horrible impression of Marianne doing a good impression, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag, uh, we need Love Island to sponsor us. Yeah, hashtag Love Island, hashtag multi-fandom. <laughs> hashtag, I we do- still don't have a season two hashtag, and it's making me upset. It's I think our season two hashtag is not having a hashtag. Yeah, sure. We're gonna be we're gonna be like not mainstream this season. <laughs> not have a hashtag. Okay. Anyways, all right. First outpost. <laughs> yes, our first outpost is from Carlito. Who? Carlito, who? you like an owl? Oh <laughs> my god. Uh, we both told really bad jokes at the same time. Amazing. Yay. Okay. This person asks, why do you think Hermione was placed in Gryffindor instead of Ravenclaw? All right. I'm ready. Okay. So one of the traits. <laughs> I was ready for this question. I love this question. One of the traits that it's admired by Ravenclaws is like flexibility and thought, whatever word you want to use for those. But I just feel like Hermione does not have that. And I feel like the perfect example is when we're in Trelawney's class and she is like super closed off to believing that any of this is like super real. And she actually ends up dropping the class, which is wow for Hermione. But we can also see it whenever she's in the same room as Luna and she's like literally the direct opposite, which if you listen to our Silver Trio episodes, then you'll know that they call her literally the antithesis of Hermione. Um, but she's also a little more rigid in thought. Like, I feel like she's very logical and she's very smart and she can think out of the box, but it's not like a philosophical sort of thought, which I feel is more of the Ravenclaw aspect that they're looking for. Um, but she, I think shows an extreme amount of bravery on many occasions, which is inherently a Gryffindor trait. And I like to always bring up what Marianne said in one of our past episodes. I can't remember which one. I think it was the Puffs episode. But we have traits from all of the houses within us. It's just whichever traits outshine the rest of them. Or not even maybe outshine, but they influence the way that you think about something or they influence how you make a decision. Yeah. I feel like the Gryffindor traits are a little bit stronger for her. But also, while I was doing research for this question, I totally didn't even put two and two together. But on the first train ride in book one, she literally says, she's like, I've been asking about all the houses, like I've been talking to people and I really hope that I get placed in Gryffindor. So it'd be really cool to see like if the sorting hat took that into account like it did for Harry, even though she didn't outright like ask for that while she was sitting on the stool. And like, so that's super interesting because there is a Quora user named Monica who has like this theory that the trio represents like each of the houses. Yes. But they are all in Gryffindor because they chose it. Like Hermione might have chosen it because, you know, she heard through the grapevine that that was the best house. Harry chose it because he just didn't want to be in Slytherin. And then Ron chose it because he's like, crap, my whole family's in Gryffindor. Like I have no other choice. Like I would be shunned. If I wasn't I in Gryffindor. I thought that was like a really cool perspective because we're always, well, not we, but I'm always complaining that the books are so heavily like Gryffindor, 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 Gryffindor. And it's kind of funny to think of it that way. Like each one of those people represents another house and the traits that are prevalent in that house, but they're all in the same house so that we have a story. 
So I thought that was mm-hmm. a really cool kind of perspective. Not that I totally agree with it, but I would just like to say because like you guys said most of my points, but um, which I love. Yes, Gryffindor and Ravenclaw Rising. Um, but I was also going to say just like we got to think about it for a second. If Hermione is like the brightest witch of her age, she's like one of the cleverest witches to like just ha- imagine for me like how much bravery this girl must have yeah. for that to kind of be her most prevalent like trait or at least the one that she that guides all of her morals and her values mm-hmm. um and all her decision making in life like this girl has got to be one super smart and two like even more brave than that so yeah yeah that's yeah. all i got to say I think it would be really funny to have a scene where Hermione is trying to enter Ravenclaw Tower and they ask her like one of those riddles and she's just not having it because her logic Mm -hmm. is so prevalent instead of like that open kind of free minded thinking. I think that would be funny. It's true. It would be. But I also like that she's so smart and she's not Ravenclaw because that's not Mm -hmm. really like the only trait that they possess. Yeah. Like there's different aspects of it it's also about creativity you know and having like i don't really focus on that because i feel like i'm really not a creative person (laughs) but i'm very witty yeah and that and that's true because hermione oh my thought just left me i'm just gonna leave it there (laughs) because hermione period period (laughs) that was because hermione all right who's the next letter from the next letter is Hydrangea <laughs> didn't even need to like bring it. He brought it to me himself. It's from wow. my husband Raul. Uh, it's been a while since he sent us an outpost. It has been. Way to be supportive, Raul. Wow. <laughs> he hasn't no, really been kidding. listening to our episodes lately either. So. What? Wow. That is wow. Wow. Well, it's be- that is rude. It, 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 wow. It is because he is a podcast car listener. And he Me doesn't too. Oh, yeah. his car anymore. <laughs> Me too. I am also, I only listen in the car, but I'm going to give him a pass because I still have to get in my car. Hashtag essential employees unite. But Woo. he better get back to it. He's my favorite broom chick. Yeah, no. He definitely, so, I mean, to give him benefit of the doubt, he does hear me when I edit. I don't put <laughs> headphones on when I edit. So he kind of hears the episodes already. All right. Well, <laughs> Raul, if you hear this, we're still friends. <laughs> Okay, his question is, what is our favorite part of the Fantastic Beast series? Yes. Um, Marianne's about to fangirl right now. I was about to <laughs> I'm really keeping it together because I have I have like a like a serious answer to this outpost, but I also want to say that I deeply enjoy Jude Law's portrayal of Dumbledore. Oh, <laughs> this is a pin for me I know, later. <laughs> I know because I saw it before we started recording. And just so you know, I also am jumping in on that train <laughs> because the man is just perfect. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, okay. Hashtag, hashtag Jude Law. Hashtag Jude Law. Oh my god! Don't even. I'm sweating. I'm sweating. Oh god. Okay, we're saving it. We're saving it. We're saving it. Pin, 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 pin. All right. Um, my favorite part of the Fantastic Beast series. Um, I think I had two answers to this, but my main answer is definitely Newt and Tina. Yeah. Um, 
like I was, the ship or the people? I mean, both the ship, yes, the <laughs> like all of it. Honestly, like I, I also have. Uh, I'm gonna say uh, more things about Newt later, but I just really, really just enjoy them together. Um, I one of my favorite parts of the last movie, Crimes of Grindelwald, um, was. Uh, the comment he made about her eyes being like uh, salamander uh, eyes. Salamander. I still geek out about that. And like, I think I Googled it yesterday to get like the exact verbiage of it. If that's the word verbiage, verbiage, whatever. Um, just kind of, <laughs> just for, just because of life, just because I, I remembered the moment and I was like, oh my God, I love this. I love them. Um, oh, and then the other thing that I was going to say that I love about the Fantastic B series is there's so much information that goes be beyond what happens in the movies. And I know a lot of people, there's a lot, like a huge part of the fan base that does not like the fantastic beast movies. And I really do think it's because they don't know there is trust me. I've seen the video. updates. Yes. And I I'm going to no idea. We'll get to it in our fantastic beast episode. But I think ma majority of that hatred comes from them, not understanding all the information that's behind it. Um, and I'm so passionate about it. Clearly. Like if you're a Patreon, if you're or a patron, if you're on Patreon, I'm one of ours, you would know, like I did this whole presentation of all the information you need to know before fantastic beasts. And I just, I like went so ham. Like I got so excited and I did it. I did it minutes, in front of my family. 30, 30 minutes of me minutes. talking, but I made it super, you know, entertaining and stuff. But I just, it I was. love, I love all the information that's going on in the, in the Fantastic Beast movies. Like Same. that's not even part of the plot yet. Like it's going to come up later. Um, just from like where we see it going potentially, you know, hopefully if, you know, JKR stays on the right track, but We'll not get. We won't get into that. <laughs> she stays on the right track. The woman wrote the book. She's like, if she stays on the right track. Well, I'll I, I I'll put a pin. I'll put in, a pin into that comment later because I I might take out take it out and like kind of explain myself with what I mean by that. But yes, that's okay, that's yeah. all I'm going to say on the. Well, I have to really agree with you. The content, the storyline. I usually don't like prequels. If a series has come out, usually I'm like, just leave the series alone. It was mm -hmm. good how it was. We experienced it. We loved it. But honestly, this prequel is giving me life. But I think it's kind of like I was so happy that he asked this question because for doing like a reintroduction of who we are and talking about topics like that, I feel like it's kind of perfect. I'm a zookeeper. I don't know mm. if you know. Say it a lot. <laughs> but I just seeing all of the different animals and what they look like and knowing what their like real counterparts are is like so freaking cool for me you have no idea I like imagine. i nerd out yeah. so freaking hard but there's also things that oh my god i'm blanking totally on his name the guy that plays newt what's his name uh eddie redmayne eddie redmayne thank you it came to me as i asked the question but mm -hmm. eddie redmayne spent like a year at zoos i think in london i think at zsl london but he spent time with zookeepers to see like what the relationships were between them and the animals. And that just honestly, like it just broke my heart into a million little pieces. Like how <laughs> wonderful, how beautiful, what a man. But yeah. 
I mean, it's hard if you're not a zookeeper, but watching that movie as a zookeeper and how he portrayed, like how he cares for his animals and like the lengths that he goes to to protect them is literally what every zookeeper on this planet feels like. I guarantee you like now, you know what it's like to walk a day in my shoes. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. But also, like, I just really love the theme behind it of like people who have respect and compassion for animals, because I feel like we could all use a little bit of that in this world because they're still Mm -hmm. facing a lot of problems. So I just really like that it focuses so much on that aspect of it but also mm-hmm. like jude law <laughs> but also jude law <laughs> jude law's involved that's like, the I need hashtag. what i need also jude law, jude law. <laughs> but also hashtag jude law like i need him to come to my zoo and be like jenny teach me the ways and i'd be like <laughs> amazing jude law come here um i guess like my favorite part of the series would honestly just kind of be like the cheesement aspect of it, the tea aspect of it. Oh, yes. <laughs> because it's literally like the biggest question that we yes. all had at the mm-hmm. end of reading book seven is kind of like, what happened to Dumbledore? What happened between Dumbledore and Grindelwald? Like, mm-hmm. what? What What was that fight? What did it lead? Because they used to be besties. What is this? And so, yes. me, I need to know the tea. Always. It is a Latina in me. I need to know the cheesement. I need a gossip. It's a very bad habit, but it's no, there. It's, not. it's in my blood. I have this literally. I have this fight. Here's a Jenny life update for everybody who's been listening. I have <laughs> this fight with my family all the time because, first of all, we're all nosy. They all know it. And I'm the only one that will admit to it. I need to know information. You can't mm-hmm. give us stuff. And then like, I ne- I just need to know. Now, yep. I won't tell anybody. If you tell me not to tell anybody, like that secret's going with me to the grave, I promise. For real. But I need to know. Oh, yeah. It's just the way of life. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I, I totally wouldn't mind being everyone's secret keeper. Like, that's me. I, I want to know do everyone's it all stuff. It depends on the level. Like, if I'm talking to somebody and they have no relation to my family... And they're like, don't tell anyone. I will immediately like leave work and like get in my car and call my mom and be like, you'll never guess what happened at work today. Like this girl told me the tea and I'll tell my whole family. But that's only if I know that it's never, ever going to get back to anybody that's even related to that person. (laughs) Okay. But yes, I I like, I like the tea aspect of Fantastic Beasts. Like I'm just really excited to find out what's going to happen. Like this Mm -hmm. is... I've wanted to know this since finishing Deathly Hollows. Like that well, was that was my if thing. JK stays on the right track. If JK stays <laughs> on the right track. <laughs> All right. Tell us, give us our okay. next one. All right. So this was submitted by another one of our friends, um, oh. Eric. <laughs> I, I, I don't love know Eric. He's, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I don't know if he sent this jokingly or not, but it's basically he copy pasted <laughs> it from Reddit. And I'm sure those of you who are Reddit savvy um, have seen it before. And basically, it's a whole discussion and (laughs) question on whether or not wizards should have used guns. Okay. Um, I I wrote it into the episode, um, but it was literally like a seven-page essay. So I I just summed it up because I was going to go back and like actually write the points. But essentially, a Reddit user was saying that Hold on, I'm going to live Google the Reddit user. I I I sent it it to the group in a text message. You can look it up. It's there. You did. I did. Live Googling. We should have music here. Thank you, Soundboard. No, you didn't send the user. 
No, I did not send the user. Sorry. Well, Eric didn't send me the user. If you want to start placing blame, let's blame Eric. Which, by the way, was one of the three dudes, the broom yes, dudes. He was a broom from dude. our April Fools episode. Yes, which is he- more affectionately called the Silver Trio, the Weasley episode. <laughs> more affectionately called. <laughs> it is our Jenny. More episode. affectionately. <laughs> I'm dead. Okay, so I'm actually I'm pretty certain that this is in multiple places in Reddit. Uh, but where I found it is from uh the guns subreddit. And this was posted <laughs> all the way back in 2011. So, so wow. God, we're such an America podcast right now. Hashtag political themes. Hashtag, Hashtag political, political themes. themes. Damn, Damn, it's been a while. Yep. Okay, so basically it's why Harry Potter should have carried an M1911. I I don't know guns, so me naming <laughs> them is going to be off. Uh, but basically, this person is trying to explain to us like why wizards should have used guns. Like All of their problems would have been solved if they had guns. The stank because face I'm giving. <laughs> their argument was, you know, think of how quickly, you know, the Wizarding World War would have ended if all the good guys simply just, you know, were had good old American hot lead is the quote. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, so bad- America. I know that's very America. Uh, Painfully the America. Ba- <laughs> the basket. The bat. I the basket. Listen, Alexis. <laughs> okay. I messed up that word last time. I think I'm sticking to y'all. <laughs> <laughs> the basilisk. You know. How shoot is it going to be when you shoot it with a 0.470 Nitro Express? Again, I don't know guns, but if you know guns, you know what that is. Um, you yeah. know, how epic would the first movie be if Harry just like flashbanged a wall and just went through everything, bulldozed everything, shot everyone down? Um, yeah. And it goes on to say like Europe seems to be the only problem with Death Eaters because Americans have spent at least 200 years shooting deers. Dementor. No, Death Eaters. Death Eaters. We have a problem with Death Eaters. Uh, you know, Brits have been cutting their steaks with spoons in the meanwhile. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Which, um, so basically this person is like, remember, gun control means that Voldemort wins. God made wizards and God made muggles, but Samuel Colt made them equal. I thought that was a very interesting quote. Um, but it does bring up like a good kind of issue point and they say like uh which is faster saying a spell or pulling a trigger um depends how uh, talented you are as a wizard or witch i that's true but i mean it's a very like so dumb to me it's a very interesting topic because this part of the muggle world is so separate from the wizarding world like we literally never even get a glimmer of it um, so it's not an idea that has readily formed in our minds. And I mean, well, let's begin. First of all, he's <laughs> like, well, why don't the good guys just load up with some hot American lead? Okay, well, if the good guys can have it, and so can the bad guys. And now we've just entered literally every movie that's ever been made in America since like, I don't know, the 70s. So <laughs> that's not fun. But also, so my question was more like we know thanks to Hermione 
in the history of magic that muggle technology does not function properly on Hogwarts grounds. Now, as an anthropologist, they literally classify like the stone wheel as technology. That was a tool. So I'm going to go ahead and assume that we can call guns technology under that definition. So do they just not function on grounds because the grounds themselves are so specifically magical that it messes with it? Is it because there's a large congregation of wizards? Because in that case, then this really wouldn't be helpful. A lot of the battles and stuff or whatever, like the last battle, the biggest one, the whole point of the series took place on grounds at Hogwarts. So guns would have been completely irrelevant. But also, like, if they got shot, like, they're not just going to be like, oh, my God, I got shot. They're going to wave their magic wand and fix the problem, aren't they? But also, like, what if they're really good at nonverbal magic or wandless magic or both and they don't even, like, need to say anything. They can just think it and boom, it's not happening. Mm -hmm. Or they have a protective enchantment. There's some sort of shield charm. I mean, there's, like, so many things. That. A slow motion charm. Exactly. Like, every- like you don't even. I, mm. As soon as somebody pulled out a gun, my first order of business would be to jam their gun or like make it so that it didn't work or explode it. Like I just, mm, I don't know. It's a but again, it, in my it's, opinion. it's just the argument of like what would be what would be quicker? You know, pulling a yeah. gun is literally millis. I mean, pulling the trigger is milliseconds. Yeah, spell so usually isn't nonverbal. But there's nonverbal, non-verbal defense be- spells. So. I mean, in the way that it's portrayed in the movies, even nonverbal spells take about a second, which is still slower than a gun. I don't know, man. Did you see Grindelwald in the first movie towards the end when all the R's from the uh, like American Ministry of Magic, Makuza, duh, uh, Makuza were all like (laughs) whipping at him and he was like, swap, 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 swap. Like he was going pretty (laughs) quick with that, like those nonverbal defense spells. Yeah. I mean, granted, he was probably like one of the best wizards, like magically speaking, not like or morals. But I don't know. I just like, I mean, could it have made a difference obviously yes but you but you know what jenny though you brought up a really good point in which if the good guys could have it then the bad guys wouldn't and then it would just be the same crap show that it is in the real world where it's just a bunch of people killing each other regardless whether they're using magic or not exploding people whether or not they use magic and I feel like on a more serious note, like hashtag political themes, we're like reading these stories because we want to escape whatever reality it is that we live in. But part of all of our collective reality is that guns exist and people do stuff with them, both good and bad. Like police officers have guns. Criminals have guns. Good people have guns. Bad people have guns. Like that's just the reality of our nation and probably elsewhere in the world. But it's like, think about hashtag multifandom. What makes Marvel so popular? Or what makes DC so popular? Like Captain America isn't loading hot American lead. Like he has a shield made of special, special elements from a special, special land. So you said it, you said it much nicer than I would have said it. I was going to say it's a story. Why are you thinking too much into it? No one would. What our whole <laughs> podcast does. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying? Like, it's not fun reading about guns. At least not to me. Yeah. But what's yeah. fun, some nonverbal defense spells that go woof, 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 you know? So <laughs> I'll watch a movie about that. I think part of the allure, too, of the story is like, I mean, obviously, I could see Harry Potter being like Gossip Girl if they had cell phones. 
but it's not because part of the allure of that world is it's kind of old timey and they're kind of stuck in the past, which kind of Mm -hmm. matches like all this witchcraft and that whole like scenario is just kind of like, yeah, you never, you never really realize that it's the nineties. Like it's not. And I think that's part of the allure, right? It's like you're being whisked off into this different world. Like it has to be different from what it is that we're all experiencing. And hello, I mean, it's 2020. Just take us back to the 1700s and we're all lost. So yeah. True that. That was very interesting. Thanks, Eric. I didn't even want to answer that question. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> okay. So one is from Christy. From Christy. Hey, mm-hmm. Christy. Hey, girl. Um, so Thanks. her question is, how would wizards quarantine? Um, hmm. So I, I thought that this was actually kind of like relevant to our situation right now because obviously we're all in quarantine but also we had somebody tweet us this week their handle is at i don't really know how to pronounce this so i'm just gonna spell it r-e-n-e-v-o-g-t-10 so they kind of hopped on our train we spoke in our last episode about how um wizards could possibly have cures for ailments that muggles struggle with and they're not sharing that information and kind of like what the impacts and the optics of that would be. Uh, But they tweeted us and they said the Rowling article in which she states wizards can catch anything muggles can catch. I interpret catch to mean contagious. This means flu, colds, chicken pox, etc. But not things like cancer, diabetes, etc. And so I thought that was actually a really cool perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, And I totally like I was just so involved in the second half of the sentence that I really didn't pay attention to the first half. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was really relevant that Chrissy asked this question because we're getting like tweeted about it and we spoke about it last time. Um, but I think that they would probably have a cure for something like coronavirus that they could easily just deal with it. So I think the question is more like, would they quarantine? Um, I mean, technically that was a question. I mean, yeah. So, but also like, I'm, it's basically the statute of secrecy. Like, aren't they always quarantining in a sort of way? I was, but, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I, was, I don't think anything changes. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, I feel like wizards are very used to being pretty solitary. And for those that live near muggle communities, they are already very used to not interacting with muggles very frequently. So, like, the thought of interacting with them less frequently is not that big of an issue. And then for those who live in wizarding communities, you normally don't really leave your wizarding community. So there's not really like a fear of catching COVID because Mm -hmm. muggles would be the ones catching COVID. I mean, like who knows, maybe jokes on us again, this is fiction, but if this was reality (laughs) jokes on us, maybe it's a wizard who contracted COVID and spread it across the world. And then we'd all be effed up, but who knows but even if it's not code like whatever maybe it's like some magical ailment and they need to like i don't know like dragon pox is contagious or whatever and they need to quarantine i feel like honestly their quarantine would probably be really similar to ours except they have like magic so that there's more entertaining things to do during the day but i almost feel like it's that feeling when you've always had something so yeah. you don't really value it that much so they would probably just be like oh my god it's the worst being home even though they did have magic like to somebody like us that would be amazing but to somebody who's always had it their whole life and has been surrounded by it like i'm sure ron gets bored when he's at the burrow but if we went to the burrow we'd be like endlessly fascinated by all of it mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And that actually parallels like Harry's first reaction when he goes to the borough. Like to Ron, yes. it's like a it's a crappy place, you know, it's not a nice home. Like he's all worried that like his friend is gonna judge him for living in this state. And his friend is there just like, oh my god, magic is so cool. Yeah. Like he's just fangirling. Harry is us. Harry is Harry forever is us. us. Yes. I mean, he is he is the straight man. If you don't know yeah. what that means, look up our past episodes. But um I also think that Harry in quarantine would basically be like book five Harry, like with all the angst oh, yeah. in his ass. Or legitimately, I mean, they all quarantined in the beginning of book seven. They were like quarantining together. So I feel like <laughs> and they were all that. sassy. So <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I just don't, th- I don't know. I don't see them quarantining at all. Like, I think just because they have like the ability to operate and disapparate, um, the most I would see them doing is that. M- like, especially because, like, they could cure themselves of anything muggle if they are have the ability to catch it. I could just see them, like, faking it. Like, if they are caught outside, they'd put on a mask for two seconds and then go inside to, like, the leaky cauldron and then take off the mask and be like, all right, we're good. Like, yeah. we're just like it, they they might do it to keep up appearances but it's not like they have to literally go outside around muggles at any point because they can just use all their many ways of transportation to avoid muggles period so i just i think it would literally be just hey watch where you apparate and disapparate or where you like are walking around or hanging around and just do your daily routine just keep that in mind like i think it would just be like normal i also think they wouldn't really necessarily have the same um needs i guess as us like i'm literally going to the grocery store when i have like no food left and i have to go Mm -hmm. but i feel like if i was a wizard or a witch or whatever and i was down to my last piece of bread i would just multiply the bread like i would just get really low on stuff and then i'd be like oh i have more food because i'm magic so (laughs) there's that (laughs) <laughs> yeah they don't have toilet paper shortages i don't think so <laughs> dumbledore would have nipped that right in the bud <laughs> all right so um our next question is from michael and he asks the dummy council would like another potter for dummies podcast episode Please. i really like that he dubbed himself like of the a dummy, dummy council like <laughs> But he's part of the council. Like, he holds, like, a very high title there. Oh, yeah. High dumbitude. <laughs> well, um, there's two episodes out. The first one that we did, that's magic. And then the second mm-hmm. one that we did, that's also magic. You can <laughs> scroll through iTunes to find them. But those are the only two that are out right now. Um, you can listen to them on repeat. And but more are coming on the way. New, but there are more Eventually. Coming. We have no idea when. No idea. They're just going to be sprinkled throughout time, but they will be coming since the last episode we did books one and two. If you haven't listened, then we'll, we will be tackling books three through seven in some sort of fashion across maybe multiple episodes in the future. Yeah. 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 Thank you. <laughs> All right. So our last one, I think, is a question from Marianne. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Liz is so confused as if I didn't talk about this before. We literally made history. The first broom chick ever to submit an album. You're ridiculous. Amazing. This is history. Put this in the description of the episode. 
Oh my Jesus. Oh, All right. No. <laughs> Anyways, I'll explain a little bit. So, um, I was trolling. I was trolling. No, not trolling. I was scrolling through the Twitter. Um, HP stand Twitter. Ooh, that's Hear me out. It's a day. It's a very like high stakes place. Um, let me tell you, uh, some people are very passionate, especially when it comes to the Marauders, which is completely fine with me. I love I enjoying especially Sirius and Lupin. Yes. The two, those are the two faves and I am all here for it. But Thank anyways, you. so I was scrolling through, you know, HP stand Twitter and I found this tweet. I was trying to look for it earlier, but, um, it was basically, um, someone criticizing, um, another podcast, um, that was criticizing JK Rowling, which, um, if you've listened to our episodes before, we tend to also, you know, criticize, you know, the matriarch of the eight, uh, the HP only when she has herself. Trash opinions. A absolutely. You know, we, we all have our opinions. Um, but I think this one was kind of centered around, um, like ownership of the story. Um, because a lot, and like that kind of just that, um, specific tweet ended up sparking other debates, like on our feed, I was noticing some people were questioning whether like, who is in charge of the story, you know, once it's out there for the world to kind of consume and, you know, take that content, does it belong still to the author? Um, like when it comes to stuff like cursed child, is it okay to kind of, you know, embrace that or have a negative feeling towards that? So I kind of just had, um, and then I looked up an article to kind of like get more into the mentality of it. Um, especially because, um, I, the more and the more that I looked into this ideology, it was getting more into other fandoms in general. But the question that I pose to my fellow broom chicks that I feel like would be a good question in general to have, um, do characters slash stories of any fandom, us, obviously for us, specifically the HP fandom, Harry Potter, um, the Wizarding World, do they belong to the fans? Or do they or do they belong to their creators? I feel like belong is a really strong word. And I feel like there's multiple ways to look at it. Legally, I have no right to that story. I have no well, ownership yeah. of anything that is involved. But I mean, like, look at us. We're making a podcast about Harry Potter. So obviously we feel some sort of connection, right? We mm -hmm. feel some tie to this information. But for me, it's like J.K. Rowling did not write these stories and then keep them in a box in her nightstand or keep them on her laptop saved. And like she decided to publish them and share it with the world. So I feel like I am very kind of um, scattered, I guess. Like I pick and choose what I think is OK and what I think isn't. And so, like, if you look at the world of fan fiction, like, obviously, they're taking characters that J.K. Rowling wrote about and they're writing stories for them and they're writing about themselves. Do I accept those things as canon? Obviously not. Do I think that people have a right to do this? Heck yes. I think that's wonderful. But I also think that's the point of writing the stories in the first place, right? Like, I sought some solace when I read these books. Like, I found something special about them that made me have some sort of connection to them. And so I feel like I... I don't want to say like it belongs to be but my interpretation of that story and how it made me feel and how I'm connected to it. That's mine. And she will never have that. And, you know, I'm sure that there's things that she wrote in which she intended one thing and I read it another or I have a life experience that colors it a different way than what she wanted. 
but I feel like those reactions and those feelings are yours. I will clarify clarify a little bit. And Liz, if you do have like multifaceted um, like responses to it, you can go ahead and say it. But I do want to clarify that the question is definitely more based off of the canon. So just to kind of explain, because the article goes a little bit more deeper into it, is that it kind of compares, you know, the Harry Potter fandom, the Harry Potter world with other like fandoms such as game of thrones that has like kind of two canon verses like there's the one the tv show but then there's also the book go on two different timelines there's the uh, marvel universe that you know the comic books have their own way and so do the um cinematic un marvel universe then there's the star wars universe which is a whole you know cluster beep of information and timelines <laughs> and what is canon versus what is not to the point that even you know, their prequels and their like sequels to the original trilogy, whatever, have been taken over by other people that weren't the initial creators, mm -hmm. but are still considered canon. So I think it's more so um, the at least the question is more so focused on um, do we as fans have kind of the right to say like, hey, you should stop right there with the story. Stop adding more. This is getting like too much mm, that's um, a yeah so go liz okay so uh my answer is multifaceted yes um, i want to hear all of it go i believe it is different depending on the medium that the original creator used so with books usually it is one person writing Sometimes it's multiple authors. James Patterson is one of those where he uses multiple people to write his books. But usually, and in the case of Harry Potter, and in the case of Game of Thrones, because that's another huge fandom that I'm a part of, so I'll mm -hmm. relate to that a lot right now, it's one author, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. those books are canon. Those books are coming straight from that creator's mouth. This is the person that made up the world. So whatever yeah. they think of... That's it. Like that's, mm -hmm. it's their world, whether mm -hmm. we want to interpret it one way or another, whether we like it or not, whether we, whatever we want to do with it, that's up to us. Like if we, mm -hmm. if JK Rowling never intended Dumbledore to be a gay idol, but he has become a gay idol, then, that's how we interpreted yeah. it. But yeah. I don't think that's what she originally thought when she wrote it. Like, didn't you know? she come out and release that information? She released later after later. like the book was published. She was like, Oh, he's gay. <laughs> but but that's what i'm saying like mm -hmm. and that's i feel like is a little bit of a problem with jk rowling is like i feel the she she tends to go back and like add on to what she already wrote to like pacify other people's opinions almost um like the whole you know harry hermione ship don't even get me started i will pin that for I, later i <laughs> it's written into the episode i touch upon it later <laughs> <laughs> yes. But you know, that's, that's one of them. So I think for books, the story that is in those pages, that is canon. Cursed Child has her name on it. It is in the pages. Her name is there. It's canon. Mm -hmm. Fantastic Beasts. She wrote the screenplay. It would be something else if she was like a producer on Fantastic Beasts and she was just like mm -hmm. shooting ideas, kind of like the Harry Potter movies. Mm -hmm. But no, like the screenplay is written by J.K. Rowling. Those pages, those words are hers. Mm -hmm. It's canon, whether we like it or not. 
It's there. It's by her. Game of Thrones. Jenny, do you have any? Oh, no, no. Go, go, go. Sorry. Game of Thrones, on the other hand, is a whole other crapshoot because Mm -hmm. we have the books that are (laughs) canon. But then we (laughs) have freaking George R.R. Martin, who's taking his sweet time giving Mm -hmm. us the rest of the canon. We're all here suffering. So Mm -hmm. he decided to just, you know, give a rough outline to people. And this is like the other facet of it. Once you go into like the TV and movie realm, now you're having multiple people, multiple hands on this material. And that's why I think Star Wars is so like up in the air everywhere, everywhere, because the original creators hardly had a hand in the prequels or the sequels or anything. Like there were so many different writers, so many different directors, producers, Mm -hmm. like there's hardly ever a consistent thread among them. The Harry Potter movies, they change directors and producers. I don't know how many times. And that's why we get that fluctuation where we get at least four times. If I'm not mistaken, it's probably exactly four. Yes. One, two, three, four. I think it's five. I think you're right. No, no, four, four, four. Okay. Yes. Hashtag allegedly. Hashtag allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) But that's why we get like the fluctuation in the Harry Potter movies and where we don't like certain things that certain movies did. Shout out Mm -hmm. Half-Blood Prince. Oh my God, always. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, this this is why I can dismiss Half-Blood Prince the movie because I know it's not legit. I know it's not from the creator herself. With Star Wars, that's hard because like now we have a conglomerate called Disney dictating to us <laughs> what's canon and, what, and what's not because they are now the owners. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's really hard. With Game of Thrones, George R. R. Martin is saying the show is canon, but also he's very honest in saying that the show took its liberties. He said, hey, this is my rough outline of what I kind of want to happen. Whatever you want to do to get there, do it. See, that's very confusing because the show is very different from the books. Like there are things that happen in the show that do not happen in the book. So how can the show be canon if it didn't happen in the canon material that we already have? But that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, that's that's a whole other podcast. I really (laughs) wanted to voice that opinion real quick. But I mean, I agree with Elizabeth there. If J.K. Rowling's name is on it, it's canon. And even though when we did the reread of The Cursed Child, I felt (laughs) better about it. I still wish it wasn't canon. Mm -hmm. So for me, the way that I look at it is, okay, these fandoms bring people joy or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And whatever it is that makes you happy, girl, go on and do it. So for me, I just really kind of focus on the seven books and whatever I'm getting out of Fantastic Beasts. And I kind of just put Cursed Child in a little box and I put it away and I don't really read it. But that being said, if I'm having a discussion or if we're doing a podcast episode or whatever, and we have to research it, or there's an answer in The Cursed Child, that's the answer, because it's canon. So in my day-to-day life, I try really not to think about it, but when it comes down to it, I mean, that book is legitimate. It has her name on it. She wrote it. Mm-hmm. Some other people were involved, but whatever. We'll get over it, but whatever. We're here. So that's just how I feel. Yeah. Um, my final thoughts, just to kind of surmise... I, I obviously agree. I think I'm not going to go into the rest of the fandoms because that is a whole other story. Yeah. But just from the information that I gathered from this debate that I kind of stumbled upon, um, 
I do. That's where we as a collective broom chicks uh, kind of agree. But I disagree with the HP stand Twitter in that sense that if it has her name on it, like at the end of the day, doesn't matter how much we hate it. It's like she says it is and therefore it is. Um, however, I like to I like to think because specifically speaking for Harry Potter um, and going back to um, <laughs> what people don't like the Fantastic Beasts movies is that I think for Harry Potter, um, it doesn't we as a fandom can't get too tied on what is canon, what is not. Obviously, we should get like we should ask pose the question um to know how the valid information from the creator but i think at the same time in order to enjoy the content that we do get we kind of need to let go a little bit of what it is so the reason why i say that is because the one of the biggest reasons why people do not like fantastic beasts besides you know a lot of information that isn't really necessarily explained unless you go out looking for it is um the really loose plot lines um and timelines oh, mg mcgonagall mcgonagall is like the biggest one and i unfortunately don't i uh, for unfortunately i foresee even more worse loosened plot lines and i don't think she will ever fix that or ever find a way to fix that but I think the reason why we just had to kind of accept it is because even even though we might have not noticed it and might not no only notice it now, I think ever since the movies were a thing, there was always going to be a movie canon versus a book canon. Is it yeah. my preference? Absolutely not. There's so much content in the books that I think are better reasons and better, you know, headcanons for what is in the movies. But unfortunately, we're probably going to be fed these two timelines and we're just going to have to kind of accept it in order to enjoy the most out of it. And it's not an uncommon thing, you know, like we obviously clearly see it with every other fandom, especially if it's in, you know, science fiction and fantasy and i think it's just one of those things that we can't just we can't get too serious you know just enjoy what <laughs> <little I pun>. <laughs> we just have to kind of you know be happy with what we have and of course i'm going to say besides any like political moral views jk rowling has i respect her as the creator and the writer therefore i will you know accept and embrace whatever she says because she is the one that brought us these stories so i just think we can't slap her in the face y'all we got to be a little bit more more uh lax and that's my yeah. final thoughts i agree the, with you yeah. i would rather have harry potter with two timelines than no harry potter at all absolutely exactly. at, at the end of the day it's a work of art and every work of art is interpreted in its own way yeah. i guarantee you shakespeare probably did not put as much thought into his plays <laughs> as every English student ever does. So, you know, for sure. That's just, that's just the way of the world. That's just mm -hmm. the way it is. All right. Mm -hmm. Can I just say that this was a very <laughs> intense outpost segment? Like it's taken up real. like a good half of our episode. Yeah. But, like, this episode is like kind of for that. It's just kind of yeah, like, but, like also if you're here to meet us, like, Wow, did you get a good look? <laughs> wow, yeah. You brought in yeah. our 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 gun views, our cannon wow. views. Uh, wow. But anyway, so before we launch into the episode, there is still more to discuss. 
Um, we're going to be adding a new segment to our episodes for the foreseeable future that I have, um, in my opinion, gloriously named. <laughs> We've gone mental. We've gone because... mental. <laughs> oh, God. Um, because Ron is amazing, and I love it when he says it. But also because I just feel like we've really legitimately gone mental because the pandemic has lasted 53 years and I'm done being inside my house. <laughs> 12 so, years. 12 <laughs> years. <laughs> yes. So um, basically, we're just going to be telling little stories. This was inspired. If you didn't listen to what was that episode? It was like Potter a for dummies. Wasn't it Potter for dummies? No, I think it was the one before that. Wasn't it? What Who are knows? you talking about? Um, I guess I should introduce that. I was thinking the other day about how I told that story about Greg from Costco and how this pandemic has completely made me like socially awkward and I didn't know how to communicate with this man without like physically squirming. So I just thought, wow, it'd be great for our listeners to hear more stories like that. And so during this quarantine, as the pandemic continues and we all suffer through the shenanigans that occur, I think we should just do a segment called We've Gone Mental. And we'll just talk about all of those shenanigans and the funny things that happened to us. Woohoo. Who wants to go first? Oh, I thought we were just going to do like one a week. Oh, one a week. Because I haven't gone mental this week. Okay. Um, I think if we're only doing one a week, it, it has, has to be, be Elizabeth. Me. Yeah. It has to be me. All oh, right, yeah. Guys. For this week, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, my husband, Raul, has been complaining that his hair is getting a little long, you know, circa <laughs> Goblet of Fire hairstyles. And <laughs> we don't speak of, like, the time when Raul's hair looked like Goblet of Fire because we Stop. we affectionately call that time Raulina. <laughs> it's a dark time in Raul's puberty. So, you know, we wanted to avoid that. And, and then Raul thought it was a great idea to have my one of my biggest fears come true. <laughs> and have me cut his hair. I don't know why you were so nervous about it. Your biggest fears, Elizabeth, a little bit dramatic. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm Cuban. Deal with Elizabeth it. was like, like she wanted to throw up. Like she was yes. to the point of vomiting almost. And I was so, just like, so then just gonna uh, cut hair. Me <laughs> and my Gryffindor ness. I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna brave my biggest fear in front of all my friends yeah so we got a zoom meeting together and literally it was like 10 of our friends all in this zoom meeting and we all they all watched as i cut raul's hair <laughs> and i held clippers for the very first time and i need to pr preface this by saying i do not know how to cut hair no uh, <laughs> need to clarify my, that I thought it would be in my blood because my grandmother, as we Cubans call it, was a peluquera. She was a hairstylist back in Cuba. Um, those genes did not pass on. <laughs> I was not allowed to watch YouTube videos on how to cut men's hair. And so I basically just grabbed the clippers and Raul just gave me the one instruction of, you know, if it's at the one, it's really close to the blade. It's going to make me bald. The higher it is away from the blade, you know, the more you can save my hair. So I look at the clippers and I'm like, you know what? I don't want to do anywhere in like the first five digits. I'm just going to go and I'm going to go to double digits. I went all the way to like 11. And I was like, I think that's safe, you know, because I like roll with like shaggier hair, but, you know, not covering his eyebrows. 
So I was like, I think I think we're safe here. So here we go. First <laughs> we of all, I we were not safe. Um, I didn't even know how to hold the clippers in the direction I was supposed to. Um, and basically, <laughs> madness ensued. And now Raul has a buzz cut. <laughs> and a bald patch. And a bald patch. Uh, there's- not, a, not, a, not a big bald patch, but like... No. Just like an awkward little. If he like... just bends his neck down a bit, <laughs> so I mean, like in general, it looks like a very kind from a distance. It looks like a decent um, army buzz haircut. Yeah. But then, um, as you get closer, there's uh, patches that are longer than others. Um, the hairs <laughs> around his ears are still long because I was scared of getting the clippers and like you know cutting I off can. his ear. I um. His sideburns, I got them even. I got them even. I did. Um, they're too short, though. <laughs> then, what? Uh, oh my god! I didn't know that. Yes, and then <laughs> um, the back, and then the back of his neck, you know, where you're supposed to like trim it up and you know make the neck look clean. I went too high. <laughs> it's just and it's and it's like lopsided. There's a part that's going a little more northward. Northward. <laughs> Then the other, um, maybe you know our patrons might get the video. That might happen. <gasps> That'd be fun. <laughs> um, so if um, you want to see me butcher my husband's haircut, patrons, you're in for a treat. If you want to become a patron, do it now. Do it now. <laughs> um, I also feel like we should release to everybody, like not just the patrons, because I feel like the masses need to know. I was extremely stressed throughout the entire endeavor. Oh my and God. I yes. got a picture of it and I'm literally like holding my head. Like I didn't know what to do because I was so nervous because Elizabeth was so nervous and I just, Oh, my voice left me there, but I just, I was, I, that's how nervous I was. Like it was all the it was way from Texas, <laughs> all the way from Texas. And so I will be releasing that photo because honestly, it's kind of hilarious, but I was really just not having it. I think you should also release the footage of Elizabeth playing Twinkle Twinkle on the star yes! on the piano. I think that's what the people want to see. So that that is no. our collective broom chick. We've gone mental. Like Elizabeth literally <laughs> played Twinkle Twinkle on the piano, and me and Marianne had a whole dance party. We all had so, a dance party. It was fun. There's that. Well, you know, to give a little facts behind this, I'm teaching myself piano because I don't have enough to do on my plate. And I've mastered Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Oh, yeah. Oh, to joy. It's a banger. And yes. Mary had a little lamb. What a jam. A. A. I was like, it was like I was at the club again. Okay, so that's that's week's seg- this week's segment. I can't talk. <laughs> We've gone <laughs> mental. Um, and then we're also going to be adding in a new feature today. Wow. A lot of new stuff. Uh, but basically, I thought it would be really nice to kind of connect with the people that are that are that are listening to us. Um, and so Listeners? every week, broomsticks, <laughs> broomsticks. Um, so every week we'll be posting something on Facebook, kind of like a little discussion thread. And it's going. I'm going to try really hard to make the discussion thread relevant to the episode that is being released. <laughs> try really um, hard. I'm going to try really hard, but I can't guarantee that that's going to happen. So just join us on the Facebook page for a weekly discussion thread. Um, 
I think we're going to do it after the episode airs, but I, I don't know. I might get excited and do it before. Uh, but this mm-hmm. week, we're probably just going to ask to to kind of cover things that we're talking about right now. But like your guys' point of view, like we want to get to know our listeners and all your favorite parts of Harry Potter. So just look out for that. It's coming. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be exciting. Cool stuff. Okay, so finally... After several hours of Owl Post, we are finally going to introduce ourselves. Hi, I'm Jenny. My house is Ravenclaw. Uh, my favorite book is Prisoner of Azkaban or Half-Blood Prince. My favorite movie is either Prisoner of Azkaban, but also lately I've been feeling Order of the Phoenix. But this like legit changes with my mood. So this is different from the answer that I gave the first episode where we introduced ourselves. But that's what, just what we're rolling with today. But I also just want to give a special shout out to the Sorcerer's Stone because I was watching it while I was writing this episode. (laughs) And there's so many good one-liners. It's just fantastic. Um, And then my favorite character is always split between Ron and Sirius with a strong Draco rising. So strong. (laughs) At Marianne. (laughs) Um, So gross. But the girls always tease me because when I'm in like a certain mood, it's like Ron is my favorite, but then there's certain months where like Sirius is definitely my favorite. But right now we're in a Ron vibe. Just so you know. Okay. It changes with the times. Changes. All right. I guess I'll go next. Um, So my name is Marianne. Um, my house is Gryffindor. Hey, what up, my braves? Up? Um, my favorite book and my favorite movie are the same. It's Prisoner of Azkaban because Woo! I've always just, I mean, reading the book, I was always a huge fan of the Marauders plot. Like, I just loved learning about, um, like this group of friends and how they were connected to Harry and stuff like that. And then when Prisoner of Azkaban came out and, you know, just <sighs> the Afonso aesthetic, I was always hugely obsessed with that movie and i think everything else after besides the whole ability that that movie kind of just set up for the movie franchise i find that so beautiful and and like important but besides that i just i never got the same feeling from watching a prisoner of Azkaban. maybe like i got the same feeling in the in uh the deathly hallows movies like i really did enjoy those as well um to the kind of the same level when watching prisoner of Azkaban. it's just it's my favorite the aesthetic is so me um my favorite character so it this is a hard one because there's so many that i love like i love molly i love lita lestrange I love obviously Hermione and Luna Love, good series. It was your favorite. My favorite, those were all like honorable mentions, but my favorite has to be Tina Goldstein. And I know a lot of people have the opinions of the Fantastic Beasts, but that was just the ones, (laughs) the opinions. Um, And they're probably judging me because my favorite character is not from the original Harry Potter series, but I don't care. I don't, I, I don't care. Like I, if I'm going to call someone my favorite character has to be like my favorite character completely in every conceivable way. And I just feel that way strongly about Tina Goldstein. So yeah. Get it girl. Thank okay, girl. All right. Hi, I'm Elizabeth. Hi, Hi Elizabeth. Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Gryffindor. Wow. What a surprise. Gryffindor. How original. <laughs> um, my favorite book, um, I'm all about nostalgia. So 
My favorite book is Sorcerer's Stone, Philosopher's Stone, however you want to take on it. Brand. On brand. Uh, on brand. <laughs> and it's also my favorite movie. Super Hands on down. Brand. Yeah. I can quote the whole thing to you. Don't ask yes, me to. You can. Go listen Head to what was our, to first our first episode. episode. <laughs> That's just one scene. But don't ever watch the movie with me. I am insufferable to watch it with. I will literally Noted. mouth the whole thing. That's how I feel Flash about up. Meet the Robinsons. That's how I am. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, my favorite character. Um, I don't have one. Uh, not uh, really. Lies. 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 I have I have a character that I'm most like, but I don't think I have like an absolute favorite favorite. But believe it or not, if I had to choose a favorite, like absolutely choose, again, I'm super cliche. I'd choose Harry. Ugh, he's the worst one. <laughs> I know. He's not I'm gonna the get worst. So he's much literally flat. the worst one. There's like so, literally every other character is better than Harry Potter. So you're saying that Snape is better than Harry Potter. Yeah, as a character, he's intriguing. He's gray. He is not black and white. Like, there's so much to discuss. There's so much content. And then you have Umbridge. Harry. Umbridge is better. So much content. She's literally <laughs> so oppressive. There's so many political themes. She's the actual worst for, like, 17,000 different reasons. And so then she, you have, what, Harry? You, he's, like, angsty in the summer. Like, okay. <laughs> so on the list of your favorite characters, it's Umbridge... It's Snape, Umbridge, and then on the last, the last person on the list is Harry Potter. No, but it seems to be bothering you, so I'm just gonna it say is. yes. It is bothering me, <laughs> Jenny. I know you. <laughs> you would not, you would not think that. Harry Potter is just not like I can't relate to him. I'm sorry, Marianne. I'm sorry. The minority. <laughs> okay. Moving on to our favorite fun fact. Woo. So I honestly chose two. I know that we're supposed to choose one, but I chose two because I want to like say something inspiring, but I also want to show you all that I'm a petty individual because it's the truth. And so I'm going to start with the inspiring. And I think that my favorite fun fact about the series doesn't really have to do with like anything in the story, but like JK Rowling legitimately wrote a whole masterpiece and no one wanted to publish it. And it yeah. just makes me feel like if you ever feel like you can't accomplish something, you better try 11 more times before you call it quits because that's what she did. And if they didn't decide to publish that, like this might legitimately live in her nightstand and we would have never gotten to know this. Bloomsbury. And sometimes it's like it like sends me on a whole path and I'm like, what would we be doing? Thank you, Would Bloomsbury. we even be friends? Like what would I be doing right now if I wasn't recording the broom chicks? I'd probably be on my couch like watching Grey's Anatomy and not knowing about magic. But anyways. <laughs> that was my inspiring one my petty one is that honestly the fact that the end of this story was written like on a napkin before anything else was even published in the first book if i have to hear this woman say one more freaking time that <laughs> romani is not real and she was pressured into it I no can't. we're gonna yeah, have problems yeah. i will punch something <laughs> so that's just like my other fun fact yeah. and me being that's petty like a like, that's a that's a pin for my pet peeve later. Ooh. Mm. Um. Oh my God! Fun fact about the series. <laughs> that's a very nice noise for everyone's ears. I'm Ooh. sorry, everyone. Welcome to the Broom Chicks ASMR. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> and we just did it like three more times because <laughs> it's gross. We give the people what they want. <laughs> um, you know what? Like, I don't have like a one fun fact that I can like think of off the top of my head, or even like think of writing down. <laughs> um, I just like. I think my biggest fun fact is like the world is so much more expansive than the than the pages. Yeah. You know, the fact that there is a very intricate world with multiple details thought out and like, sure, a, it's a pin for my pet peeve later. Some things have been added later on that probably shouldn't have been added. But like from the OG of JK's like, you know, old school you know, website where it was like her desk with like random writings and it was like interactive and super fun. It was like pre, pre, pre Pottermore. You know, she, she had all this stuff that was just in her mind and she just kind of like word vomits at all. And the fact that I literally feel like her brain is like divided in two. It's like the real world and then the wizarding world. And it's just like this thing that keeps on like turning and turning and turning, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I'm very indecisive. I'm prefacing it with that. Um, so I have many things that I love, but I've condensed it to two favorite fun facts. Um, my first favorite fun fact is the fact that, like, J.K. Rowling, um, I, I think it's beyond just her fascination with the number seven, but it's also the fact, like, that historically, uh, if we we've seen that the number seven apparently has is this like magical number, and I think she kind of took that and rolled with it. So there's a pattern throughout the series of the number seven. Like we see seven Horcruxes, we see seven Weasleys, like siblings. We see um, seven books. We have seven members on a Quidditch team. Um, we even see the scar. If you take a look at the scar, the scar is like. Um, a seven, but backwards, both ways. Um, that's how you draw the seven. That's how. Uh, that's how you draw the scar. That's how I always remember it. It's that by the seven. And seven is my favorite number. <laughs> Jenny uh, was just mind blown right now. I don't think she's ever realized this. No, you've never realized it. No, it's a. There's what? a huge. And that's just the like pit. That's like the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the number seven. Like there's way more. Like, um. Yeah. So apparently there's like a theory where it's like there. There's a lot of core classes in Hogwarts, but the theory is that every year students take seven classes. So it's like you have six core classes, and then you have like an elective and whatever the case. Like there's so many stuff out there. Um, seven levels of Hogwarts. Like there's seven floors. There's it's like so much with the number seven out there when it comes to the wizarding world. Um, that's just does like goes unnoticed. And I just, I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of that. Cause my birth one seven is my favorite number. And it two, like the reason why is because I'm born on March 7th. So <laughs> just like, I just love that fun. Fact. Seven is my favorite number because of me. So. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> duh. Well, I don't know, man. What other reason do you have, like, a favorite number for? A favorite number? Because it looks cute. Yeah. That's why my favorite know. number is eight. Duh. It, it looks nice. cute. Yeah, it's an appealing number. <laughs> <laughs> my I'm favorite? Like, honestly, like, I know that we're all laughing, but, like, I'm not even joking. It's, like, an appealing number. I've always liked it since I was a kid. 
I've just imagined a character that was in my mind that was like, my favorite number is two because you're never alone and you're in a couple. Like, <laughs> like what other reason? I don't know. Whatever. That's the reason why I my favorite number, I guess. But anyways, my second fun fact has more so to do with the movies. Yeah. Um, so obviously, we, I've ta- already talked about a little bit um, that I Prisoner of Azkaban is my favorite movie. Genius. Because of the genius director that is Alfonso Cuaron. Um, but he was the one that introduced, uh, the Hogwarts bridge, uh, the one that we know most famously in the prisoner of Azkaban movie, because that's where a lot of the conversations happen, especially between like Remus and Harry. Um, it's just like, he brought in that bridge. That bridge did not exist in any of the previous models of Hogwarts or even in the books, like any descriptions that didn't exist. He added that into the set and jk rowling was like this is so good keep it i want it forever and i've been on that bridge and it's amazing that's like one of my favorite pictures in life so yeah (laughs) biggest pet peeves (laughs) oh liz i'm unpinning my multiple pins unpinning it (laughs) nice um my biggest pet peeve it has nothing to do with the series itself. It's just the creator, the author, the woman who I spent so many years looking up to. And now she's kind of shady. <laughs> You're going to go there. I'm not going to. She's compl- going in. Um, well, we can't go in, in, but. No, no, no. Not in, in. But, but it's just funny because we just like kind of sort of <laughs> like supported her <laughs> earlier in the episode. And now we're going to tear her back down. I mean, I said that some of her opinions were trash. So yes. that's true. True. My biggest pet peeve is that I feel like in the recent decade, and I feel like it's really only become a problem in the recent decade after the movies have ended, and we were kind of like in this weird limbo before Cursed Child and like nothing really was happening in the Harry Potter world, besides like the failure of the first Pottermore and then the recreation of Pottermore, um, is like I feel like J.K. Rowling has been backtracking a lot of her like previous statements. I feel like she Remind is me. Oh, uh, <laughs> fan servicing a lot more than she used Ooh, to. I love that term. I'm going to go back to that in a second. Keep going. Because I feel like when I first was introduced to JK Rowling, like as a person and was seeing her in like the first aspects of social media or in interviews, she had very strong opinions and was very straightforward about the Harry Potter world. Mm -hmm. There was never like a question. And if something wasn't answered, it was because she knew that she was going to publish something later about it. Like she knew she had a plan to make more money off of all this basically. Um, but I feel like lately she's just like she's fan servicing like the whole Hermione Harry ship. I think that's fan servicing. Like again, from mm-hmm. the very mm-hmm. napkin that she first created, Ron and Hermione ended up together. She she has had multiple interviews explaining why Ron and Hermione ended up together, and it's only when the movies had that like minor moments between Harry and Hermione because mm-hmm. people apparently don't believe that male and females can be friends. Yep. So they started shipping Hermione and Harry. And now she's like, mm, you know what? I kind of like regret, you know, Ron and Hermione being together. I feel like Hermione and Harry would be a better fit. Like, no, <laughs> no, stick to your words. Stick to what you wrote. Like, 
Mm-hmm. It's so annoying. And I feel like Back this is guns. happening. This is happening over and over again. And I feel like it even happens in the screenplay of Fantastic Beasts, where like she's mm, fan servicing yep. That's where I was going. Yeah. Certain characters. She's fan serving McGonagall. McGonagall in any timeline is not supposed to be an adult in the 20s. She's not. She's either, depending on wh- where your information's coming from, she's either a, a, basically a child or a teenager. She's not a professor at Hogwarts. But mm-hmm. seeing her in Fantastic Beasts as a professor equal to Dumbledore and basically similar in age to him, it's completely fan service. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. No one will ever change my opinion on that. She was doing that. So people who have seen the movies will see one other yeah. familiar face and, and it gets more people interested in the movies. Because the yeah. Not gonna lie, Fantastic Beast was a huge risk for the series, a huge risk for all those people because you're creating movies that literally, at least the first one, had no familiar name to people who just saw the movies. Like, if you were just a Harry Potter movie fan, you wouldn't know mm. what Fantastic Beast was, you wouldn't know what it's about, you wouldn't be interested in watching it. But here, you're gonna sprinkle in the biggest war before Voldemort, you're gonna now give us Dumbledore. Oh my god! And then you give us hot Dumbledore. I'm not complaining about that one. Not getting there just yet. That's a pin that's, for later. That's a pin <laughs> for later. But then, like outside of that, again, you still don't have anyone. So now you're just gonna. And I feel like it's gonna happen more in the movies. We're gonna get these little eggs mm-hmm. of like professors when they're younger, or like these old characters when they're younger. I wouldn't be surprised if we see like a teenage Voldemort at some point, or like a teenage Hagrid. I would not be surprised. I hope that we see a teenage Voldemort. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. I I think it's the same actor that they did in Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, he ain't a teenager no more, but I do. It's just, uh, there's I just do agree. So much. I would say we are like I know what Elizabeth means, but I'm gonna clarify for anyone of our listeners when she means fan servicing, she's 100% mean like movie fan servicing. And I think this is a and this is what I meant. This is the pin that I'm unpinning from way earlier in the episode where I like threw in my comment if JKR stays on track, kind of deal. Um. I have my own theories about Fantastic Beasts and we're not going to talk about them today. And I know other people on the internet have their own theories that are either coinciding with mine or sort of similar, if not their own thing. And I think the way that she's setting up the movies is leading up to something really interesting and exciting for both, you know, that can be both appreciated by a movie fan and by a book slash movie fan. Um, I hope that it doesn't become a trend that we've seen with other franchises, such as the Star Wars franchise and the Marvel Cinematic Universe franchise that has a lot of those fan servicing, you know, uh, patterns. Because there's one, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna excuse any fan servicing. I still believe like she could have 100% not had McGonagall, and it would have, if she would have just trusted in the movie and the plot, it would have like stood on its own. Um, I'm not going to excuse that, even though we've already kind of talked about both, you know, movie canon and and book canon. Um, But I will say that I can at least look away from that type of fan servicing, but I will not look away from fan servicing if it becomes if it if it kind of deteriorates from a possible 
amazing plot point that she could hit. Um, whether it's specifically between the war or just specifically with Dumbledore or the any of the other characters that are completely introduced in the franchise. There's some really great opportunities that are kind of laid out there and that she's kind of brought up in like the Harry Potter series, if not on Pottermore and stuff like that, that she could reference back to and it wouldn't be fan servicing because she's already introduced that information. So why not as a writer go back to that and include that in your plot with fantastic beasts. But I just hope she, she doesn't kind of cut all of that out and just be like, whatever it's a movie canon anyways. And pretty much make her decisions when it comes to the plot based off of what the fans would want to see. I really hope she doesn't do that because if she doesn't do that, I think the plot for the next three movies of the fantastic beasts are going to be so cool. And it will lead up to something like that will be kind of its standalone um, movie franchise in the wizarding world. I, I have a, an immense hope, but also a big fear. <laughs> <laughs> you walk a line. I do. I do a walk a line. Um, I guess since I'm already talking, I'll lead into my pet peeve. Um, I'm gonna so talk strictly book because if we got if if we talked about all the pet peeves I have with the movies, um, I think we would run out of um time. But anyways, so strictly book wise, I I just have like a lot of feelings. Um, the fact that Siri, like I, I think the stuff that really bothers me the most is kind I'm of. I'm going to go. I'm just going to step out of the room for a second. <laughs> I just have a lot of feelings. Like the stuff that really bothers me the most um, that really like is probably good plot, like some good plotting that's going on, but just wrecks my heart is the stuff that's like kind of remains unknown. So like Sirius never knowing that his brother put in so much work to defy the Dark Lord that goes unknown. They both die. They never know. That wrecks me. The fact that Fred and George, I don't think they ever find out that um, Sirius and Remus were marauders. At least Fred doesn't for sure because he dies. <laughs> oh <laughs> Can't even God. say the word. Like that wrecks oh. me. I don't think, and even if George did find out, I don't think he would have ever found out in time to have like a bonding moment between Sirius and Remus. I mean, like, think about it. The, the twins had the Marauders map for years and they like finally meet Sirius and Remus, but they don't know. These are the creators of this map. These are like their gods, their role models. And they never know just God, I think those I are really emotional. <laughs> like, we need to is, wrap this up. It's Ooh. it's pet peeves, right? Um, I'm gonna go into more of my more lighthearted pet peeves. Thank God um, I wasn't gonna make it. That was the darker. Those are the darker, slightly ones. I even though I uh like the kind of like tie back with Luna uh, marrying Roth's commander, who just ends up being like he is the great. Uh, great grandson I think it's great grandson of or just grandson sorry of Newt's commander like I kind of like that that's interesting and you know whatever it doesn't mean like everyone kind of marries their first love or whatever which that's completely realistic but I just really loved Luna and Neville I wish I could have seen that in the books but that's just like a little like little quirky pet peeve I guess um and then obviously the deaths just suck but again going back to JKR decided that as the creator and I kind of have to respect it, but that doesn't mean I have to like it. 
And that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> I don't really want to go anymore because <laughs> Marianne has wrecked me. I know. And These are the things that I think about. I'm in a dark emotional Well, I'm going to disagree right with you. I don't think that Luna and Neville should have been a thing. I think that would have been like way too nice and neat. Like I already feel like it was nice well, and neat the way that it was. Like that, with Harry and Ginny and Ron and Hermione. Like well, that, everything was just so... That's what I'm saying. Like they didn't have to get married, but I wish we like we could have seen like a little like dating there, and then they could have just like you know went their own ways, and then she could have married somebody else, which she did. That that's why you're doing it, but I think that a lot of people hop on that train because they had chemistry in the the movies movies, and were able to see it in the book. I don't know if it's just like the frame of mind that I was in when I read it, and I was kind of younger or whatever, but I just didn't feel it between them in the book. But granted, I haven't read it in like a minute. So there might be moments where that's like a thing. But I never remember book wise being like that should be a thing. There are opportunities. And I just think like character wise, there there could have been a possibility. But that's why I mean, just like just like an opportunity. It's like it's not a huge pet peeve. It's a quirky pet peeve. Like I would have loved to see it, even if it didn't, even if it wasn't endgame, you know, like I don't I'm not saying I want the peeves and Elizabeth's pet peeves. I feel like were way um, bigger than my pet peeves. I had two. They're very simple. The first (laughs) one is super basic, but I just feel like certain characters were robbed of their moments in the movie adaptations. Oh, absolutely. In the first movie. I mean, I know this is just like me and my mom talk about this a lot. But any like avid reader who has a book that is then translated onto like the big screen, like a movie is made out of it, like you're going to lose so much content. And that's just, I mean, you're, you know, they can't make a 17 hour movie. Like I get it. But (laughs) I also feel like in the first book specifically, I feel like they took away so many lines, not only from Ron, who obviously is the one that hurts me the most, but from Seamus and Neville even. They took away so many lines from them and they gave them to Hermione in the movie to kind of create that character that they were going with when there was really no reason to. Like, it's just small moments, but that almost bothers me more. I'm like, that was such an irrelevant moment. Like, why couldn't Seamus just say that? But whatever. It's a dumb pet peeve. But it's it's just there. My biggest pet peeve, honestly, is the movies when they're doing magic outside of school. Because it is so politely discussed (laughs) that that is illegal. And it makes me so mad. I'm not. I'm not. (laughs) I was just about to say Prisoner of Azkaban, when I first watched it, almost became a quick not favorite because of the opening scene. Lumos Maxima. Like, I oh was my like, god, that's the one. That is what is called to mind whenever I'm talking about this. Yeah, but it makes me even more upset because literally the movie before the Ministry of Magic is like, Harry, why are you throwing cakes yes. at people? And then the next movie, he's like, Lumos, and I'm just like, why is it the Ministry of Magic at your freaking house? And it just <laughs> makes me, I am incensed. Okay, I could have literally talked about serious dying. Could have talked about Fred. I could have talked about so many things, but really that one just gets me. It grinds my ears (laughs) and it makes me very upset. Amazing. But that's, I got heated there. You did. Okay. Tell me, who is your favorite character adaptation? (laughs) Do you want me to unpack this one? I mean, kind of yes, because when I wrote it down, I was like, okay, Jennifer, limit yourself. And then Marianne <laughs> was like, I'm going to pick no, everybody. <laughs> unleash. Marianne All right. So like, never quick, limits like, herself. like okay. quick, like speed quick. round. Give it to me. 
So I'll 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 say the ones that Jenny did not mention. So Jenny didn't mention Luna. I think Avena Lynch, however the hell you say her name, because I can Ivana, I, it's so easy. I, I suck at pronouncing anything. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> she was perfect because she was a fan. And not only was she a fan, she just understood Luna to the T. She's perfect. McGonagall, who else could play McGonagall better than Maddie Smith? I'm sorry. Like, no, no one. So uh, Minerva, uh, and then uh, Newt. I think Eddie Redmayne oh, yeah. is such a talented actor. Amazing. I mean, I've known this since before the Fantastic Beast movies, but oh my god, I love his Newt even more so because of Eddie Redmayne. So thank you. I don't care that it's not part of the original seven. It's in my heart in the same appreciation. And then last but not least, I'm unpinning this. And I don't, I, I, we're going on this train of love. Hashtag, but also Jude Law. Oh my God, yes. Jude <laughs> but Law. also Jude Law. It's so freaking good. The accent, the everything, everything about Jude and Law. And I don't, I don't care. I don't care if it's like he, I don't care if his Dumbledore is amazing because of the previous Dumbledores we've seen and that he just like got that and like, emulated that and he did his freaking research i don't care if that's why he's so good he's good okay he is my dumbledore Listen, i love him if you want to see the magic that is jude law hit up this is going to be your quarantine best friend get on amazon get on Go. itunes i don't really care Go. Go google the holiday the holiday the best romantic comedy in the history of time Go. it is literally the core of me and marianne's friendship yes jude law is Mr. Napkinhead. The movie is amazing. Go watch it, people. People will say, people will say <laughs> that it's a Christmas movie. It is not. I mean, it, it is. is but I mean, it, it is not. But it is not. You it's can watch it. Year round. All year long, yo. Jude Law steals the show every Sexy, time. Sexy, beautiful man. Mr. Napkinhead. Oh, my God, that man. Oh, good. Love him. Love wow. him. He could do no wrong in my eyes. I'm really passionate about that movie, almost as passionate as I am about the Harry Potter series. And I truly yes. believe at our core, that is why me and Marianne work as friends. Yeah, absolutely. If it wasn't for that. I mean, if there was no Jude Law, there would be no me and Marianne. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it here. I'm going to say okay. it now. She's being a little bit dramatic, but I, <laughs> because we didn't find out that we both love the holiday as much as we do until we started this podcast. However, I true. think. I think when we first met, we both knew this was the foundation of our friendship. It was just unconsciously I, it was like like in our mind. It was like we were here. Like we hadn't discovered it yet. But then eventually yeah. years down the road, we I were mean, like, I mean, Elizabeth is upset with us right now. I'm just going to say we, I mean, I've mentioned this before in the podcast. We have unreleased episodes. And yes. part of those is us literally just talking about Jude Law's adaptation of Dumbledore when the movies first came out. And oh that honestly, because it was one of the first episodes or the first episode that we recorded. I think for, so. Yeah. For that reason, Jula literally holds a very special place in my heart because it always reminds me of like when the podcast started. Yes. Just whatever. That's I think true. the best character adaptations, if we're doing a speed round, you got to go Snape. Alan yes, Jackson absolutely. It out of the freaking park, okay? He's yeah. better than Jude Law. I'm just going to say it. The man he is. I will made accept it that. impossible for me to envision anyone else playing that character. He stole mm -hmm. the freaking show. And also, I will say, 
umbrage because yep. that the woman whoever yeah. i don't know her name whoever plays her made me hate her as much as i hated that woman reading that book and that is that's hard that's okay? hard that's if i were talent. to see her in any other movie if i were to see her in real life i'd be like i hate that be she's a musical theater actor because on fact and then honorable mentions to serious because gary oldman is literally like the yes best. he love him um my favorite character adaptations uh, number one will always and forever be OG Dumbledore. I Richard Harris. Him. Really? No I did much. not care for Richard Harris. Richard Harris. Again, I don't know if you guys have hopped on into my nostalgia train. I'm very like, <laughs> I like, I like OG things. Um, and especially anything that has to do with Sorcerer's Stone. Like Sorcerer's Stone is such a foundation to who I am as a person. And so Richard Harris is my Dumbledore. I think I spent like a good like five to ten years just pissed off at my at Michael Gambon because I did not like him. Oh my god. I thought his he's, Dumbledore was spot on. He's grown on me but ever since the have you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? Oh my god. Oh, Listen. You just spit some rhymes there. <laughs> have you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? Listen. <laughs> I know that everybody in that in this fandom Bars. and I've done it too before. Like I know that everybody is so like into that scene and I'm just like there are so many other moments that they got wrong. I don't understand the fascination with that one moment. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know what to tell you. I guess us Dumbledore stand. Yeah, us, it was definitely Tumblr. <laughs> I don't know, man. Us us Dumbledore stands are just like very very strong, man. We're very that you strong. You just called yourself a Dumbledore stan. I am. Oh well, my god. I, hold on, hold on. <laughs> She's like, wait, let me correct. Let me clarify myself. <laughs> Portrayal of Dumbledore stan. Oh, I got you. Okay, all right, all right, all right. And uh, before I found out, you know, all the shady stuff he did, Dumbledore stan. <laughs> um, and I guess like my <laughs> my other favorite portrayal. Um, I honestly thought that you would say somebody that you haven't said. Who do you think I'm gonna say? Hagrid. I was gonna say Hagrid. I wow. knew it. I was like, Elizabeth is gonna go Hagrid. Oh my god! Because who else could play Hagrid? I know. I He's think you're true. right. Honestly, like he, well, a lot of people played. A lot of people we, played yes, Hagrid. They technically, did. yes, a lot of people did play Hagrid. However, the like face to face scenes was the one and only Robbie Coltrane. And I think Jenny Jenny needs a I'm clarification. Confused. Yeah, I'm very confused. Okay, so Hagrid, because of like the stat the the his stature mm -hmm. had to be played by multiple people because even Robbie like Coltrane <laughs> on like stilts like couldn't match like the stature and like the intensity that Hagrid needed to be as like a half giant. Mm -hmm. Um there's this one particular I can't remember his name, but he's actually a, like a wrestler who had like mm -hmm. the height and also like the the, the build. build the build for Hagrid who in the distance scenes, like whenever you see Hagrid like off in the distance and you don't really see like a clear facial picture, that's played by him. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. I had no so, idea. Yeah, so usually Props a to lot that of that guy too. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of the times, um, when Hagrid's in a crowd or Hagrid's, you know, where he's just part of a scene but not like speaking, is actually a lot of the times those other actors, and it's only like the one-on-one -on -one scenes where like the, true the up close happens. like shots. Yeah, where well, it's Robbie Coltrane, my Hagrid. 
All right, last question very quickly here, and we will wrap up. I want to know what your favorite Harry Potter position is, because I know that all three of us have a vast collection of Harry Potter things. Oh, but I feel so. like my collection sucks, man. I feel like what? it needs to... I feel like your collection is better than both of ours. I was going to say, if you think your collection sucks, we don't want to look at mine. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, it's more um, It's more like uh, our uh, Harry Potter Insta has made me feel like ashamed oh, of yeah. like my Harry Potter collection because so many yeah. of the amazing people that we follow on Instagram have these insane collections. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, oh my God, like I, I want it all, but yeah. I don't have money. Yep. <laughs> yep, yep. All right, Do well, I'll level. start with mine. My favorite possession is actually my sweater. It's the R sweater that Ron gets for Christmas in the first book. OG Elizabeth mm -hmm. vibes. Um, and I bought Yay. it. So I like it because obviously Ron, but also because I bought it on a trip that I planned to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter in Orlando. And I was on a trip with my mom and my best friend. And it was just like the three of us. And we were totally hanging out. And that was like the first time that my mom had done anything Harry Potter. <laughs> but we <laughs> walked into Madame Malkin's and I was able to buy Ron's sweater for an insane amount of money. And it's just like my favorite thing that I own. And now that I live in cold weather, like I might actually be able to wear it. That's nice to actually have like memorabilia that we can use because I have the robes. They're pretty useless 90% of the year. Yeah, it's too hot. I tried. I, I used to honestly, like if it was cold in my house, I would wear it. But when I was living in Florida, like there was just no way. Yeah. Um, I think I've mentioned this in other episodes or at least on lives, uh, but my, I have two most prized possessions, um, as part of my collection. One is my, uh, Hogwarts replica. Um, it's just like the, the, the set replica, which is my favorite. My husband got it for me for my 25th birthday and it's so cool. Um, uh, but my absolute, absolute favorite has to be, um, my, edition of tales of beetle and the bard mm. um it is one of only a thousand copies it apparently costs lots and lots and lots of money now <laughs> i did not know this uh but i like it because my mom knew how much i loved harry potter and she like fought tooth and nail and made sure that i got this like very exclusive copy and so i joke all the time but i'm not joking that if my house were to ever catch on fire <laughs> i would grab my daughter and this book and then my husband would be in charge of getting the animals and those would be the only things we save our three animals my daughter and my copy of tales of beetle and the bard and it's coming with me to Solid. my grave no one's making money off of this it's coming with me to my grave that's crazy okay the grave <laughs> robbers are listening to this episode now and sometime in the and future they're like cancel it <laughs> No, honestly, probably it's going to be somewhere in my will for like someone to like buy it off and for a lot of money. And then the money goes to like charity, if I'm being honest. Oh, the shimmies. <laughs> or I'll take it. I'm going to be poor and I'll sell it. <laughs> That's it. That's my evil plan. I told you all of it. Voldemort vibes. <laughs> Voldemort vibes. I'm dead. All right, so I'll go ahead and say my favorite possessions. Now, I don't have the most extensive collection. Um, I will definitely admit to that. Uh, I kind of suck on that department. I do like my wands. I think like that's the most like collectible thing I have. I, ha I only have like three of them, and then I just ordered Tina's. Um, 
but I, I just really do enjoy them. Like, I don't know. That's the best I can tell you. It's not really about quantity for me. It's just like quality. Like I love those things. Um, even if I don't use them, even if they, you know, sit, whatever, like I did actually use it the other day for that presentation. If you, you did, <laughs> you if you watch that, fantastic, if you have Patreon and you saw that fantastic piece presentation, I did use my, like my actual wand. That wasn't like a wand of somebody, like a character. It was like my wand. Um, super exciting, interactive stuff, but whatever. Um, but my real like favorite possessions are my books. So if you haven't heard to our episodes before, um, I, I don't know if it was because like I was broke or like just because I'm lazy or like it was convenient or whatever, but I never really like besides the first book, I never really own, or I think first book and second book actually um i never really owned the harry potter books like i borrowed them and read them from the library um so i never owned my own and then like a few years back i was like i want to own my own freaking harry potter books and so what i kind of like brought up to myself is that i kind of and in the process of thrifting i found a harry potter and the deathly hallows at a goodwill and i was like i can't leave it there i took it home with me and then kind of ever since then i was like if i find a harry potter book it's kind of just like i have to kind of like take it in and uh, my books kind of all have stories or like moments like that uh, my favorite obviously out of all of those is prisoner of azkaban because we're on brand um and that's solely because i got that one at the studio tour in london um and it's got this beautiful cover this illustration in the front it's the modern bloomsbury one don't know who the artist is but it's like uh like a really like blue cover with like the, yeah. the deer patron the not the deer the stag patronus and it just, it made me so happy when I got that. I would, I would literally like, would just like touch it and like pet it like on the way back oh, to yeah. my train. It was, it's one of my favorite things. So all my, all my books besides the, my first two have kind of like a story or a memory to it. So those are, those are my possessions. That's fun. I like that. Aww. I, well, I, I really enjoyed like re getting to know you guys for our new listeners. <laughs> For all of you getting to know us, we we hit so many hot points hey, on this yeah. episode. Like this, our original idea behind this episode was to keep it very lighthearted. Um, and like I cried. We hit <laughs> a lot of political themes. You cry for yeah. like anything, though. That's not like a fair true. Like, okay, judgment. okay true. but Marianne literally had to bring up Sirius and Fred. Oh like, my god. Sorry. Uh, Sorry. Hey, I have to be honest. Oh, I know. But man, this episode, while it was lighthearted and fun, it was also like very deep and profound. It was. It yes. was. I like it, it had its levels. The content we need. It's hills. It's valleys. <laughs> All of it. Oh. Well, I think that's enough for today. You, you want to do that again? Tell me? Yeah, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Social media! I just saw your face and I was like, <laughs> she wants to do it again. <laughs> I do. <clears throat> okay, well, that's all for today. Uh, because this is our reintroduction episode, I would just like to let everybody know that when we record this, we've been doing this podcast for like, what, the last year? 
little and less than a year. Little a little less than, less a, year. than a year. We're at a little a year less in the summer. than a year. So let's just round it up, okay? We've been doing this for a year, and I still can't remember our outro, and I literally do it every single time. Every time. So this every is the first time. time. The first time that you're hearing it, but uh, take two. That's all for today. Remember to follow us on our social medias. You can follow us on Instagram at the Three Broom Chicks. You can also follow us on the Twitter, HB Stan Twitter at the number three broom chicks. And go like our Facebook page, The Three Broom Chicks. And make sure to catch us next time where we're gonna delve deep into some of the hottest fan theories. The hottest fan theories. <laughs> if you have any particular fan theories that you want us to cover, hit us up on that on those social medias that you just yeah. read about. Or you can also email us at the number three broomchicks at gmail.com. Yes. Oh yeah, hot stuff. <laughs> All right. So as always, we are the three broom chicks. Because Hermione, hashtag, but also Jude Law. <laughs>